This son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Recently I saw a video of a beautiful encounter. There was a man named Officer Christopher Christian uh, Dinkins. And Officer Dinkins was away on deployment. His family was back at home here in the country and his family was invited to a Florida Gators football game. They were given the opportunity to go on the field. To their surprise, a video came on the big screen, and it was, lo and behold, Officer Dinkins. He wished them well, told them how much he missed them, told them how much he loved them. Family was beginning to become emotional, especially the son of the family. And then to their ultimate surprise, the announcer with excitement says, and now we welcome home Officer Christian Dinkins. The family turns. There's a man in his military uniform sprinting towards his family. The father sprinting towards him. The son takes off towards his dad. They meet in this clash of love, and the family joins. They sling themselves upon their dad. His father caught sight of him. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The most powerful moment for most people in the story of the parable of the prodigal son is the reunion of the son and the father. The father hugs and embraces his son who had left his portion of the inheritance, squandered it, and now returns home. As we begin our reflection on this arguably most famous parable of Jesus, I would like for us to consider something for a moment. We hear the moment that precedes the great reunion. We hear, while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him, was filled with compassion, and he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The father catches sight of the son. He catches sight of him who was a long way off. This tells us a key feature of the story. For him to catch sight of the son... He had to be waiting him, waiting for him. He had to be anticipating his arrival. The father's not back at home sipping his coffee, enjoying some nice breakfast or lunch or dinner. The absence of his son troubles his heart, and it beckons him to become watchful, waiting for his son's return. But if we listen again to the Father's words upon his arrival, we may be struck because it may not coincide with the Father's actions to wait on his Son, his daily routine. Because he rejoices with these words. This Son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. You see, the father awaits the son, although he thinks he is dead. The father awaits the return of the son, having maybe a slight certainty that he would never return again. But this possibility doesn't stop him from going every day to wait for his son. Because the Father's love for him is too radical and too relentless. 
our brothers and sisters, this type of love is the love of God the Father. It's radical, it's relentless, it's reckless, and it's untiring. And you and I are much like the younger son. We have fallen into sin. Sin which does two things. It exiles us from the Father, and it causes us much interior suffering, a famine in the depths of our hearts. Sin is like going off into a far country like the younger son, far from the Father, leaving behind the promised land, the great kingdom we inherited. We leave, only go to the land that that was not promised, but only produces misery. Sin is much like what happens after the younger son spends all his inheritance on loose living. It causes a famine within us. Sin creates a hunger and a thirst beyond what the pleasures or prestige or powers sin promised us. Because sin can never fulfill its promises. It leaves us interiorly wanting, empty, hollow, starving. Our exile causes us to see ourselves not as sons and daughters, but as servants. Did you notice when the sun arose and as he began to kind of think of what he would say, he told himself, I'm willing to just be my father's slave. I'm no longer willing and worthy to be your son. And what's so interesting about the story is that as he returns to the father, he begins to give his spiel that he created in his mind. But guess what? He never finishes, finishes the whole thing. The father stops him as soon as he says, I am not worthy to be called your son. You see, it's in that moment when the father turns and says, quickly, go get the calf and kill it. Let us party. Let us feast, for my son has returned. Our exile causes us to place us below that which we are created to be. We put ourselves down, smothered in the yuck of slavery, joining ourselves just like the son, to be a slave to the owner of the pig farmer. We call him the devil. The father thought his son was dead. And he was spiritually. My brothers and sisters, we can't be blind to the truth and the reality that there are actions and sins which causes our spiritual death. As we hear in the words from St. John in his letter, all wrongdoing is sin. But there is sin that is not deadly, but there is sin that is deadly. These deadly sins we traditionally call mortal sins. Many of us don't want to talk about them. We don't want to bring them up. And if we don't talk about them, we maybe think that they don't exist. But deadly sins are real. And they cause our hearts and our souls to fall away in exile, separating ourselves from the Father, just like in the parable. And so maybe you've never heard of them. Maybe you're wondering what these sins might be, what these sins we call mortal. 
And so I'd like to present some common ones among us. Now, there's some of these. I'm going to change the first letter for the sake of there being children here. But you'll understand what they are. So what are these sins that maybe cause us to become spiritually dead? Purposefully and without sufficient reason, missing our duty to attend Mass on Sundays. Using the Lord's name irreverently and not in the context of exalting Him or praising Him. Abortion, euthanasia, pornography, exacerbation, relations before marriage, adultery, occult practices like Ouija boards or tarot cards, palm readings, theft and lying over serious matters. These are all common sins that bring upon us spiritual death and exile, separation from our good, good Father. They're real, and they bring a famine to our heart. But lest we despair, our Lord Jesus provides us with a powerful parable illustrating how we should respond. We should be like the younger son who comes to our senses, and we arise, and we go back to the Father. We too are being called to remember that we're not just slaves or servants, of a dictator God, but we're beloved sons and daughters of a king, of a father. And the father, although we may be dead, awaits us. He awaits our return. He wants us to return. He wants us to run towards him as he runs towards us. He doesn't want our hearts to be famished, but he wants them to be filled with the feast of his grace, of his love, of his mercy. My brothers and sisters, if we're in a place where we are far from the Father, if we are dead and lost, we do not need to fear. Because the Father waits for us. He has given the great gift of the sacrament of reconciliation. And here at the cathedral, we have confessions offered every Saturday at 3 p.m., every Thursday at 6 p.m., and we have our Lenten penance service on April 16th. The Father awaits you, and He can't wait to say, if you find yourself in this place, He can't wait to say about you, this son or daughter of mine was dead, but has come to life again. He or she was lost, but has been found. He doesn't want you far from Him. He wants to feast with you. And he wants, you, he wants to remind you that you are so much more than what the world tells you you are when you serve God, that you're just his servant and his slave. He wants to remind you that, no, you are his son and his daughter who is an heir to the great inheritance of his kingdom, of the feast of his love. My brothers and sisters, The Father awaits you. Let us come to our senses. Let us arise from the filth and return to him. Let us run fast towards him because he's already running towards you and me.